like to invite you to a soul level encounter. Music has an incredible ability to proclaim the soul's language beyond what mere words can speak. That's what we seek as we invite our guests to share their song of the soul. You will hear the music that has charted the steps of their spiritual journey, that has provided a touchstone in the soul's dark night and sung the heart's awe and joy when come to the light. Over the next hour, you will be a witness and companion to our guest's spiritual path and sacred testimony. Welcome to Song of the Soul. Back in the mid-90s, I first listened to Red Grammar's CD, Teaching Peace, and became an instant fan. Though much of Red's music is targeted at young folks and families, he's got a couple CDs for adults as well. And you'll find that his talents work very well, whatever the age of the listener. It's definitely a case of high-quality music with a message. And he's only my second guest from the Baha'i Faith. Prepare to be lifted up and blessed by the music of Red Grammar. Red, I'm really excited to have you here today for Song of the Soul. I'm delighted to be with you. Sounds like it's going to be fun. You know, I could have also had you here for Spirit in Action. In fact, in the past, I featured some of your songs on my Spirit in Action programs because they're thematic. The way I came in contact with your music was back when my son was very young, just three, four years old. Teaching Peace got played around our house a lot. Wonderful. And so songs from Teaching Peace, I've featured them on other programs already. For you, is music just what you do because you just can't help singing? Or is music something that you have, you know, a change-the-world type attitude to it? You know, it started out as the first, where it was just something I couldn't help but do. You know, somewhere around fourth grade, music came into my life, and everything became way more interesting. But I remember when I was in a a rock band in eighth grade. We were playing a dance at a church hall, and I came out from behind the drum set, which was my instrument at the time, to sing the song Get Together by the, um, what you call it? Youngbloods. Youngbloods, thank you. And I was sitting on the edge of the stage, holding the mic in my hand, singing, the band was playing, and my eyes were closed. And I really loved the song. I loved what it said and everything. And you know how it was in those days, you know, you'd, you'd have a little band and you'd be playing a dance and there'd be sort of clusters of kids just hanging around the stage and other people would be dancing and stuff. Well, when I opened my eyes at the end of the song, there was a cluster of three girls standing, you know, not far away and they were crying. I don't remember doing a lot of thought about it, but something just sort of clicked in me that said, this is powerful stuff. Music is powerful. And it just sort of filed it away. As I went on in my musical development, and I really wanted my work to be something, I felt like I wasn't just given a voice to sing, but I was given a voice that touched people. And so I took it pretty seriously. And then after I became a Baha'i, there's a quote in the Baha'i Faith that says, music is the ladder to the soul. Baha'u'llah, the founder of the Baha'i Faith, talks about music and its power, and, and he says, I hope that you won't be of the ignorant. 
you know, <laughs> in the way that you use it, you know. So, you know, I became a Baha'i at 19. You know, I was in college, and you know, I, had, I was trying to figure out how to be a musician and everything. So really, my whole career was impacted pretty heavily by that sentiment. And it isn't that music can't be fun, and it shouldn't be really energizing and, you know, all that stuff, but that it has a power that we need to honor appropriately. You've been known as a children's artist, primarily, I guess I'd say. You have a, a couple adult CDs out there that people can find on the redgrammar.com website. How often do you get to perform for adults? Well, here's the funny thing. I, I perform to adults all the time. You know, they just are with their kids. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> and, and what's interesting about them when they're with their kids is they have a different headset than when they go out by themselves. And so a part of them is available to me that might not be as easily available when it's just an adult show. I always have performed to adults, but they really are two different careers, a whole different promotional thing and everything. For me, it's something that I really love when I get to do. You know, actually, you know, I do, I do teacher conventions and I do lots of things in the Baha'i community and there are various things that I'm asked to do where I get to sing a lot of my adult material. So I do a fair amount of performing in front of adults, but I don't do so much of the adult concert thing. There have been periods in my life where I have done quite a bit of that, but because I'm known best for my music for kids and families, that's the main venue. And I figure there has to be a practical aspect to that as well, because I don't know if this is true, but I speculate that adults are more willing to spend money on their kids than they are on themselves. Does that ring true? Yeah, I think you're on to something there, at least for the kind of music that I do. In other words, my music is always going to be, there's a playful aspect to it, but there's also an earnestness to it. And I think they're more available for that kind of playful earnestness when their children are present. Well, you know, Red, I'd like to get started on the actual music of your Song of the Soul. How do you want to start us off? Gosh, you know, uh, let's go to Joy. Let's do Joy. Okay, I can do Joy. I, I like doing Joy a lot. <laughs> <laughs> Joy's a good thing. I'm totally with you on that. But should we do Joy or should we do Joy, Joy, Joy? Yeah, let's do Joy, Joy, Joy. Once is not enough. <laughs> right, okay. no. Okay. And why is this part of your song of the soul? You know, we all go through an enormous amount of unexpected challenges in our life. And the older I get, the more I come to realize that this journey of life is an opportunity for us to show up with our soul for a development process that isn't what I thought it was about when I was growing up. <laughs> And, you know, we'll talk a lot more about that as we go along. But even, you know, in the midst of all the things that we are challenged with that force us to look deeply into ourselves and show up to become this entity that God intended us to be, there is a lot of happiness and joy in it. And ultimately, we often have to choose that. You know, it is a choice in the face of whatever we're dealing with to choose joy. Boy, when you choose it, it changes everything. Joy, joy, joy. You know the feeling in early spring, life flowing through everything. Like your song, you can't help but sing. Joy, joy, joy. I hear my name and I look to see friends of mine, one, two, three, cross the street waving at me. Joy, joy, joy. When I'm happy, 
I've seen nearer Why not now? Ready, set, and here I go Go, go, go When I smile, good things find me Smiling back, the world reminds me It's the things that bring me life That make me so Whoa, whoa, whoa Got it off my chest Studied hard for a killer test How I feel when I've done my best Joy, joy, joy Someone needs help, I go the extra mile Turns a frown to a great big smile Takes a minute, but it's so worthwhile Joy, joy, joy When I'm happy, things seem clearer All the dreams I have seem nearer Why not now? Ready, set, and here I go Smiling back, the world reminds me It's the things that bring me life That make me so Whoa, 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 happy I got my favorite music playing in my ear Good feeling in the atmosphere Knowing who I am and why I'm here Joy, joy Looking up into the clear blue sky I hear the neighbor family walking by The baby's laughing and so am I Joy, joy, joy When I'm happy things seem clearer All the dreams I have seem nearer Why not now? Ready, set, and here I go Go, go, go When I smile, good things find me Smiling back, the world reminds me It's the things that bring me life That make me so When I'm happy, things seem clearer All the dreams I have seem nearer Why not now, ready, set, and here I go, 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 go When I smile, good things find me Smiling back, the world reminds me It's the things that bring me life That make me so Whoa, 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 happy Here we go. That's what I'm talking about. Here's the crazy part. We get to choose what we look at, how we feel, everything around us. Choice all around us. All the time. We get to choose. We get to choose. Choose what we're feeling. Let's choose this. I want to choose this. You feel that? Come on. Here we go. Red Grammar's as yet unreleased song, Joy, Joy, Joy. Red Grammar is with us here today for Song of the Soul. You can find him on redgrammar.com. Follow the link from northernspiritradio.org. Also, you can find a link on my site to the place on his site where you can listen to that song again and again and again. And I think a lot of times, Red, we need that kind of pumping up. And that song really, it pumps. You know, it's funny because every time I would sing the vocal for that, I would get a smile on my face. 
while I was singing it. It was just, I never had quite that experience before in a studio like that. Yeah, but did you ever feel foolish? Like, what am I smiling for? I just can't help it, you know? <laughs> <laughs> no, I take the smiles. I definitely take them when they come. <laughs> Well, keep us going with your music. We've got Joy, Joy, Joy. Where can you go from there? Let's go to one of the Baha'i prayers. You know, I I should say, you know, I I mentioned that I I became a Baha'i in in college at 19. For me, my life really became, or or the aspiration of my life really became kind of focused when I became a Baha'i. I was raised in the Methodist church in New Jersey down the street from our house and I was so grateful to it and it was a great upbringing. As I said, my mom really raised me to look outward into the world. You know, Thanksgiving, the church would put out the word that if anybody wanted to have a soldier from the fort nearby from a foreign country to come over for Thanksgiving dinner, you could do that. We always had people from other countries at our Thanksgiving dinner. Just the way she talked about issues in the world, she was always thinking about the world as we're, you know, we're, we're together in this. You know, if your listeners know about, you know, the teachings of the Baha'i Faith, you know, they'll know that it's, it's really about three onenesses. You know, the oneness of God, that there's only one God. We all we call it by lots of different names, but there's one God that has sent all the different messengers who's founded all the world's religions. There's one humanity that we're all part of this human family, and that there's only really one religion, which is this unfolding religion of God. So it's all about oneness, and it's all about the richness of the human family, and learning how to truly live from the understanding that we are one. I mean, it's not just, isn't it cool that they eat different food than we do, but that, in fact, we are one human family. The implications of that are so profound in the way we deal with issues in the world and problems that face people on the other side of the planet and all that. So when I became a Baha'i, to me it was an extension of my Christian upbringing, and it it really has informed so much of my life and everything that I do. And I'm thinking there's this wonderful prayer, and this is an excerpt from a prayer by Baha'u'llah, the founder of the Baha'i Faith. And I'm thinking of the one, if it be thy pleasure. And it's such a sweet way to begin a day and to orient oneself to what's coming in the coming day. If it be thy pleasure, make me to grow as a tender earth. In the meadows of thy grace That the gentle winds of thy will May stir me up And bend me into Conformity with thy pleasure such wise that my movement and my stillness may be wholly directed by Thee. If it be Thy pleasure, make me to 
Thy Pleasure. It's performed by Red Grammar. The words are from Bahá'u'lláh, the founder of the Baha'i Faith. And that's not recorded anywhere else. So if people want to hear it, they just have to come over to your house, right, Red? (laughs) You know what I should do, Mark? I should put that up on SoundCloud and send you a link to it. How's that? That's a deal. People can just come to NordenSpiritRadio.org and you can find a link directly to that prayer, if it be thy pleasure. I suppose most people don't know too much about the Baha'is. I've had Baha'i face. I've been at Baha'i services and so on. I guess I have a little bit of the insight on that. I know it originated in the Middle East, in Persia, what we know is Iran now. And actually, under the Shah, there was a lot of persecution and maybe continuing since then. So the Baha'is started there. They spread out everywhere. Is there a particular concentration? Is that still the homeland as far as people are concerned? Well, you know, it's interesting because, as you said, there has been tremendous persecution ever since the founding of the faith. It was uh, a Shia Islam country. And Baha'u'llah said he was the fulfillment of not only Islam, but, you know, all the world's religions have been talking about a time of the end when there would be you know, we beat the swords into plowshares, you know, the universal Buddha, all the faith talk about a time of fulfillment. And the Baha'is believe that Baha'u'llah has ushered in that time where humanity is coming out of its age of adolescence and entering its age of maturity. So there was a lot of persecution there. And Baha'u'llah, in fact, was exiled by the Persian government to Baghdad first, which was part of the Ottoman Empire, and then to Constantinople, which is the capital of the Ottoman Empire, and then Adrianople, which is also there in Turkey, and then eventually spent most of the, of the end of his life in Israel in the prison city of Akka, which, again, at that time was part of the Ottoman Empire. It's there that the, the Baha'i World Center, in, uh, actually across the bay from Akka in Haifa, Israel, because of its teachings of oneness, it has spread you know, all over the world. It's actually second only to Christianity in the numbers of places where there are Baha'is residing in the world. But it's not one of the most numerous. Of course, I have to say, I'm Quaker. Talk about a drop in the bucket. <laughs> well, you know, it's also a new faith, so it's understandable that there aren't as many. It's an interesting thing to be part of a faith 
that is in its early stages. It's actually quite exciting to be part of a community that is really at the beginning of its process. You know, in our family, you know, raising our kids as Baha'is, you know, because it hasn't been around for 2,000 years, a lot of the traditions are things that we're doing. You know, we're, <laughs> we're starting... Now, at Christmas, you, you know, if you don't have a Christmas tree, you know, it's like kind of a big deal that you don't have a Christmas tree as a Christian because that's like such a big part of the tradition. So for us, you know, for the, the Baha'i gift-giving time is in February, and so we would create our own traditions. It's a very interesting and quite exciting kind of uh, experience. How new is it? Well, Baha'u'llah declared his mission in 1863, so it's, you know, 150 years old. Which, you know, compared to something like the Latter-day Saints, the Mormons, they're, I guess, a little bit earlier in the 1800s, but, you know, only a 50 years leap on you. Right. And here in the United States, of course, they're much more numerous than the Baha'is. There would be other parts of the world where that would be reversed. But, yeah, yeah it's similar, though. You know, it's a, it's a new phase. Well, give us some more music, and, you know, I'm sure that your Baha'i fountain of light will be part of that. Yeah, I mean, and of course, because this is the song of the soul, the music that I chose for this, you know, we talked about my family music, and of course, that's very playful and you know, all that. And a lot of it is informed by this understanding that we are one family around the world and, you know, looking at the diversity and playfully and so forth. But I sort of went for the soul piece on this. So let's, let's look at, you know, I mentioned at the beginning when I was talking about joy, and I said, you know, it's a choice and that, you know, that we're often confronted with things that challenge us and so forth. So I'm thinking of the song Strangely Wrapped Gift and let me tell you how that song came about. I walked into a, a school. I was supposed to be doing a concert at a school in northern New York and I walked in the back entrance and there was nobody in any of the classrooms as I'm walking down the hall. It was very quiet and kind of weird and I'm thinking hmm, this is the right day, this is the right day, right? <laughs> I kept going, it was a huge school, I'm going down this long hallway, and finally, as I got toward the front of the building, uh, I heard some voices, I followed them, and in, in, I walked into the teacher's lounge, and there were all the teachers. And I said, hi, what's going on? They said, oh, the water main broke, so we sent all the kids home. And they were having pizza, and so they handed me a piece of pizza and a cup of Coke, and I um, turned to the woman next to me, I said, well, so how are you doing today? And she said, Today is the first anniversary of my husband walking out of me. Oh. And I put down the pizza and the soda. <laughs> and we went over and sat in the corner for a little bit, you know, just sort of talked, you know. She said, it was the worst year of my life. I had kind of lost myself in my husband. So when he left, I didn't know who I was. She said, it was the hardest year of my life. She said, but I got to say, at this point, I'm really glad he left because it wasn't a healthy relationship and it was really the best thing that ever happened to me. And the words came out of my mouth, strangely wrapped gift. And at the instant they came out of me, you know, being a songwriter, I said to myself, wow, that is a great title. <laughs> <laughs> and she looked at me like I was a little crazy. And, and you're not faulting her for that judgment, are you? <laughs> no, not at all. <laughs> so anyway... You know, fast forward about eight months because, you know, when you have a great title, I mean, because I really thought, yeah, I, mean, I, I still believe it's, it's just a wonderful title, especially given, you know, the song. And when you're given those things, it's a little scary sometimes because you feel like you really have to write a great song. 
And of course, the whole process is so mysterious anyway, you know, so I, so I avoided trying to get around to writing the song, but I, eventually I did, and I actually sent it to her. I said, you know, I need to send this woman this song because she needs to know what she inspired by her experience. Strangely Wrapped Gift by Red Grammar. The day he left her, she couldn't speak Stared out the window the better part of a week She'd lived her life through him for such a long time When she looked inside herself, she wasn't sure what she'd find She had to open the door a little wider now She had to dig a little deeper inside her somehow She walked into the fire Alone and scared stiff Now she says his leaving was a strangely wrapped gift Little Jamie's body has never worked right He's never had the peace of sleeping straight through the night His parents get weary and his parents get warm Still they always bless the day that little Jamie was born He opens the door a little wider now Lifts them up a little higher somehow It may look to the world Like a 24-hour shift But his folks know life with Jamie Is just a strangely wrapped gift What is it that we're really made of? How else will we ever know? Till the hand puts us in the fire burn or do we On my doorstep Looks sad and forlorn The wrapping paper's faded It's all tattered and torn For a moment I wonder What on earth it might be Till I see the tag And realize It's made out to me It's gonna open the door A little wider now Lift me up a little higher somehow I used to run like the blazes Now I get the drift Someone who loves me Send me a strangely wrapped gift Someone who loves me Someone who really, really 
Someone who loves me sent me a strangely bad A simple, beautiful, profound song, Strangely Wrapped Gift. It's by Red Grammar. He's my guest today for Song of the Soul. This is Song of the Soul, a Northern Spirit Radio production, and I'm your host, Mark Helpsmeet. We're on the web at northernspiritradio.org, and on that site, you can find our programs of the last eight years to listen to, to download. You can leave comments, and we love to have our communication be two-way. There's a place where you can make donations to Northern Spirit Radio. I also want to remind you to support your local community radio station who are bringing you these programs. They're an invaluable resource, and they deserve both your time and your financial support. So please remember to support your local community radio station. Again, we're with Red Grammar. His website is redgrammar.com. And of course, you can always find the links from nordenspiritradio.org. Strangely Wrapped Gift. That song resonates for me so much, Red. It's my experience, too. And I've had the experience. One of my prayers that I give to the divine is hammer my heart because I feel like when those contrary situations come, they surprise me. They're not what I want. You know, this isn't what I prayed for, but I guess this is the answer. They change me, they open me, and they lead me to new places where I was not capable of being before. What was your experience with that song and, and with the woman who inspired it? Here's the thing. When we immerse ourselves in the scriptures of our faith, whatever it might be, there's so much wisdom in it. And, you know, Baha'u'llah actually exhorts the guys to read in the morning, every morning and every evening, scripture and, and the writings, both of the Baha'i faith and of the other religions. And the gift of doing that, of immersing yourself in these writings, is that they come up for you when you need them. I'm sure you've had that experience, and I certainly have. So when I was writing this song, and trying to translate the woman's experience into something that would be something that everybody could relate to. Keep us going with more of your music. Okay. Now, this is one of the songs on Teaching Peace, one of my kids' recordings. Often when I do a, my kids' albums and my kids' performances, you know, I know that there isn't going to be a lot of opportunity to get kind of quiet and mellow or whatever. So I sort of aim for that. Sometimes you build a whole concert in some ways around the opportunity to get to a place where you can do a song like See Me Beautiful. Because this is the song of the soul, I thought it would be an interesting song to show how something that I strive to do in my daily life might show up in a song. Again, there's a a fascinating story about this song. We had just moved to Peekskill, New York, which is about an hour north of New York City. It's a little city on the Hudson River. And it's a very diverse city. There's some people with tremendous welfare, a few. And then there's a middle class, and then there's an underclass. And it's not a huge underclass, but it's the people that don't have a lot. There's a couple of little housing projects for people who are lower income. So we didn't know the town terribly well. We moved into the town, got a little downstairs apartment in an old house that they'd split up. And David was five and was entering kindergarten. So... We registered him for kindergarten and got a letter in the mail that said, David will go to Oakside School. So we'd mention that to some of our friends and they would get really quiet. And we'd mention somebody else and they'd get really quiet. 
You know, we said, okay, well, we had to go over to Oakside School and figure out what's going on. Why is everybody getting so weird about this? So we went over to the school, and we met the principal, Mr. Baton, an extraordinary, erudite, African-American gentleman. You know, we said, well, you know, so tell us about Oakside. (laughs) (laughs) He said, well, you know, you can see that the school is on the top of a little hill, and down the hill is a playground, and then across the street from the playground is a small housing project. And he said, what you'll find is a lot of the town thinks that the school is not a safe place to be because, you know, there's a housing project across the street. You know, and and on Friday and Saturday nights, you know, there's some drug deals going on, you know, there and stuff across the street. But he said, we're up at the top of the hill. It's a very safe place to be. The kids are wonderful. You'll find that a lot of the people in your neighborhood have chosen to go to other schools in the district because of their perception of this place. He said, I have the best staff of teachers you'll find anywhere. It's a fabulous school, but the perception in the community is that it's not a great place. He said, I can promise you that if David wants to learn, this would be a great place for him. And he took us down and we met his kindergarten teacher, Ms. Zukowski, who was in just... Fabulous, fabulous teacher. Anyway, so we went home and we prayed about it. And we got a resounding yes, Oakside. Because in that town, you could, in fact, move your kid to another school if you were able to drive. So David went to Oakside. And it was the best school that he ever attended in his educational career. We would tell our friends. And we would say, I know that you think that Oakside isn't a great place. But I got to tell you, it's fabulous. It's just amazing. It's the most wonderful place. And they would get quiet. There was nothing we could say. Now, I knew the kids in David's class. They were every bit as beautiful and wonderful as any child anywhere. And also you're talking about my son that you're getting quiet about. You know what I mean? And after a while, you get mad. But gratefully, we didn't write an angry song. And, you know, there's so many wonderful teachings in my faith about You know, it's easy to love your friends, but people who don't get who you are, that's a much harder thing to do, and that's really important to do. So instead of writing an angry song, (laughs) and actually, well, let's just listen to this song, and then I'll I'll give a little more song. See Me Beautiful. See me beautiful, look for the best in me, it's what I really am. And all I want to be, it may take some time, it may be hard to find, but see me beautiful, see me beautiful, each and every day, could you take a chance, could you find a way to see me shining through, in everything I do. See me Take some time. 
may be hard to find, but see me beautiful. See me beautiful each and every day. Could you take a chance? Could you find a way to see me shining through in everything I do? And see me beautiful. Song from the heart, obviously through a beautiful voice by Red Grammar. See me beautiful. So, okay, I, we've listened to the song now, Red. You were going to tell me something, and I can't wait. What were you going to say about the song? Anybody. We're all complicated. All of our cultures are complicated. There's good and bad in everything. And Baha'u'llah's son, Abdu'l-Baha, said, to live the life is to look always at the good and not at the bad. If a man has ten good qualities and one bad one, look at the ten and forget the one. And if a man has ten bad qualities and one good one, to look at the one and forget the ten. Of course, a lot of what we were writing about in that song was, you're missing this beauty. <laughs> you know, can you see it? But the other thing is, you know, there will always be things about us that someone could look at and dismiss us by. We're going to see more of who their true reality is if we look at the best in them. Yeah, and as a, <laughs> that works as a religious teaching, and it works just as, to some of us, it just seems common sense. Yeah. You said you were raised Methodist, and you became yeah. Baha'i in college. How much do Baha'i draw on the other world's religions? One of the things that you mentioned was, you know, like some of the teachings are kind of the epitome of what you learned. In Islam, they say, well, yeah, these other prophets are out there, you know, Jesus and Abraham and so on, but that the Quran wraps it up and that Muhammad is the final teacher. I guess it probably pissed off a lot of Muslims that someone was saying, I'm after Muhammad. Of course, and that's exactly right. And of course, you know, these various titles that either the messenger gives himself or his followers give them sometimes can really confuse people and, and make the ongoing unfoldment of religion not as clear to people. So Muhammad is referred to as the seal of the prophets. And so, you know, the Muslims say, well, there's nobody coming after Muhammad. He's the seal, the end, you know. There's a lot of ways to look at these kinds of statements, but the Baha'i's view would say, yes, he was the seal of the prophets because there's been this huge long age of prophecy about a time of fulfillment. And now we've left the period of prophecy and we're now in the period of fulfillment. You know, it, it's funny. Science and religion are very analogous. And one of the teachings of Baha'i faith is that science and religion are actually in harmony with each other. And it's a wonderful thing in an age of ours which is so scientific, so impacted by our discoveries in the world of science to view them as complementary. In science, we have an understanding of the universe. And then further down the road, we realize that that was a, that was a, that was a good understanding given what we knew. But in fact, it's more like this. On and on it goes, and it's an ever-expanding development of our understanding of the true reality of the physical universe that we're in. You know, Baha'i's view 
religion as a progressive unfolding of religious truth and that every messenger reaffirms what came before and brings a new peace. And then that gets absorbed into the religious consciousness of the world. And then the next messenger comes and brings, reaffirms everything that went before and brings something new. And so it's a constant evolution, almost like chapters, you know, in a book. And much like teachers in a school, the kindergarten teacher is sort of preparing you for a later understanding, but there's no way that a kindergarten teacher can really tell you much about history of the Western civilization or physics or anything like that. So they prepare a way. And I, for me, being born Christian and being raised Christian, everything that Baha'u'llah says makes perfect sense. You know, Christ laid out a vision, but given the way the world was at that time, he could only say so much about it, about world, the oneness of the world. There was no way for people to understand what the world really was in terms of all the diversity of peoples around the world. And so we given the Good Samaritan story, which certainly lays the foundation for that, but it doesn't explore it in huge depth, given a later understanding of the huge diversity of the human family. Of course, at any stage along this development, people could do what needs to be done. But as the spiritual understanding of humanity develops, so, of course, would God in his mercy and his grace give us more and more and more understanding. I see it all... I sit down on an airplane next to any Christian of any persuasion. I sit down on an airplane next to a Buddhist, a Muslim, a Zoroastrian, you know, a Jew. It's so easy for me to, like, relate to what they're doing. And, what you know, if they are devout, whatever, I'm in it. They're my brother, my sister. We're on the same journey. And I'm moved, profoundly moved by their experiences and their understandings because it's all the same. And you guide us pretty well on that journey by your music. So let's hear some more of that. And I'm sure we'll have that same movement of that spirit. It goes. So let's do the let's do the other prayer. You say the other prayer as if Baha'is only had two prayers. Yeah, yeah. So so the other one is refresh and gladden my spirit. My first wife, Kathy, passed away four and a half years ago. And uh, she was diagnosed about a year and a half earlier with stage four breast cancer. Very unexpected. We'd been married 32 years. We were both 56. It was a great marriage, you know, and I, I just didn't think I'd be losing her so early, you know. And sometimes just finding a beautiful passage and setting it to music is a healing experience in and of itself. So this literally is part of the journey of my soul, the setting of this beautiful, sweet prayer by Abdul Baha'u'llah, the son of Baha'u'llah. O oh God, refresh and gladden my spirit, purify my heart, illumine my powers, I lay all my affairs in thy hand Thou art my guide and my refuge I will no longer be Sorrowful and grieved I will be 
a happy and joyful being. Oh God, I will no longer be full of anxiety, nor will I let trouble harass me. I will not dwell on the unpleasant things of life. Oh God, Thou art more friend to me than I am to myself. I dedicate myself I dedicate myself I dedicate myself to High prayer shared by Red Grammar, refresh and gladden my spirit. Such a sweet voice and gentle guitar and such true feelings coming straight from the soul, which I'm so glad you're here sharing it today for Song of the Soul, Red. I'm sorry to hear about the loss of your wife. I I can hardly comprehend after 30 plus years of sharing such a close life as you did, making, I guess, writing a lot of these songs with Kathy. I've always seen your name on them. Does she get low subtitle there, or what What part of the music was she? You know, if you look on the CDs, teaching pieces were all co-written songs with Kathy. You know, sometimes people, because I'm the performing artist as well as the co-songwriter, they'll just list it as, as Red Grammar, but in fact, four of my kids' albums uh, actually, five of them. The original songs on them were all Kathy and I together. I want to remind our listeners to go to redgrammar.com. Grammar is G R A M M E R, or just follow the link from Northern Spirit Radio. Well, finish us off with one more song. Finish off this song of the soul. You know, I think we'll probably maybe just go out with the song, but before we do it, I want to read a quote from. Baha'u'llah that sort of inspires so much of the work that I've tried to do and how I try to live my life. And it says this, O children of men, know ye not why we created you all from the same dust, that no one should exalt himself over the other. Ponder at all times in your hearts how you were created. Since we have created you all from one same substance, it is incumbent on you to be even as one soul to walk with the same feet, eat with the same mouth, and dwell in the same land. That from your inmost being, by your deeds and actions, 
the signs of oneness and the essence of detachment may be made manifest. Such is my counsel to you, O concourse of light. Heed ye this counsel, that ye may obtain the fruit of holiness from the tree of wondrous glory. You know, I'll send you these quotes that so you can put them up there if you want as well, and a link if people want to find out a little more about this Baha'i faith. And I'll be very happy to post them. So, this is a song that really talks about the future of humanity and where it's going. And there's no doubt about that peace is going to come to the world. It's just a matter of how we get there. It's such a delight to talk with you today, Mark, and what a, what a great idea for a radio show. Thank you so much for doing this. Oh, you can believe it's completely my pleasure to do this, to connect with people at the roots of their inspiration, what I think of as their divine roots, the light that they have to raise up. And whatever words people put it in, I see that light shining through, and I certainly find it in the midst of your stuff, Red. So give us one more song, and then I'm sorry, but we have to say goodbye. All right. Well, I'm going to say goodbye to your listeners now, and uh, thanks so much for tuning in to this wonderful show. So uh, we'll go out with the song One Family. And I think you mentioned it a little bit before, One Family from Free Falling Album. It's got some upbeat building energy in this song. So, again, it's it's just been delightful to get to know you, Red. You've been traveling with me for a couple decades already, starting with teaching peace. This feels like a real fruition of our friendship. Thanks so much for joining me for Song of the Soul. I'm delighted. Thank you, Mark. Though we have to end the broadcast now, there are more bonus excerpts from this interview on the northernspiritradio.org website. Too much of a good thing to fit in just 55 minutes. So go there and hear more interview and one more song with Red Grammar. We end today's Song of the Soul with One Family by Red Grammar. Light on the horizon Off starboard bow Feel the spirit rising Hear the mighty shout Oh, watch the whole creation Turning in Making his will made known Time for peace is now Leaders at the table Talking about an end to war We need more than chess moves We gotta open up the door
for Song of the Soul is by Chris Williamson, and it's called Song of the Soul. My name is Mark Helpsmeet, and this is a Northern Spirit Radio production. You can listen to this program again, track down the list of songs included, and a whole lot more on my website, northernspiritradio.org. And I invite you to share your Song of the Soul with my listeners. Just contact me via my website. And please, join me weekly for Song of the Soul. You can be happy Let in the light It will heal you And you can feel you And sing out a song of the soul